I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes of Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today I have an incredibly special guest, a man that I actually met in Arizona this year that has become a kindred spirit. Like a, 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 I don't even know how to describe Calvin, but he, he had me on his show. He's on my show. He's actually in the studio, which is fucking awesome to me. I have Calvin Wayman here. Calvin, say hello. Bro, so good to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. I know why we're kindred spirits, by the way. Why is that? Because when you... This is why I think I connect to you, because I know you fucking have done it. Like, you've been through fire, and when you see a brother that has gone through stuff and has made stuff happen, you just connect to that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. So let's dive right into it. What's something that you've been through? I'll just assume that my listeners have never heard, from, never heard of you, and they're going to, but... <sighs> But let's get right down to it. Like you've been through some shit. Like your mm. life has not been sunshine and roses. Uh, Polygamy. Like, uh, yeah. Let, let's just jump right into the, the, that, the P word. Yeah. So a, a lot of craziness. Like trying to find my soul or my identity uh, outside of the religious environment. That's a big thing I went to. But I think something that a lot of people listening might relate to is that something that was a real fucking hard thing was trying to find my my place and my impact that I wanted to make. And so three years I quit three years ago I quit my day job. What was your day job? Doing sales. I was doing I was a manager at a sales company. Yeah. And that had a lot of its own experiences. Like because I was in this tight knit community of polygamy, I actually was homeschooled all through high school. So you were not a polygamist. You came from a polygamist family or I you... will not I I think one wife is probably gonna stay good for me. Yeah. yeah. So I have four moms and 44 brothers and sisters. Not even joking. That's, can, um, if we needed you to name their names right Aaron, now. Aaron, Leroy, Pamela, Klain, got, yeah, I could name them all. That's yeah. crazy. Good for you. Uh, yeah, so people ask that all the time. Like, if you know a football team, yeah. if you watch football, you'll name all the players. Right. And, at, like, at our house, it was easy because it's like, only you're only getting a new player, like, once every other year or something like that. So it's easy, <laughs> it's easy to remember them all. Yeah. But anyway, being in that environment, I was homeschooled mm-hmm. all through high school, and so it was very awkward socially and that's why i got into sales is because i wanted to get over that awkwardness but i hold the record for the worst performance that a sales agent ever had at that company that's how bad it was but the thing that i think people might want to do is a lot of people come and ask like how do you how do you go about i guess having the the courage to quit your day job or whatever that is to find your thing and that was a tough spot for me is, is when I had a wife and a one-year-old, I just randomly quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, it was like, I'm not meant to just be an employee. And that entire process from quitting my day job and actually leaving Salt Lake City, the area where I'm from, and moving to California with just my wife and my one, one-year-old was completely intense and insane. Like, there's a ton of stories in there. I don't know what direction you want to go with that, but we could go all sorts of places it could be because I went and did door to door at first Okay. because I, a mentor told me that if you could do four months of door to door, you could do pretty much anything. It's like worth more than a four year business degree. Mm-hmm. And dude, that was insane. Like a lot of dark places, a lot of figuring yourself out, a lot of unwinding emotional pain. Like that was intense. Yeah. So when you quit your job though, Calvin, that, there was not some windfall of money you had, right? Like you weren't not six at years all. in the bank. Like none. I had 500 bucks. Okay. And this and is a actu- wife and a kid, a wife and a kid. Uh-huh. And it's actually funny because I know you had Lewis Howes on the podcast recently mm-hmm. and uh, we're here in Columbus. One of the things that helped me is I was like, should I save this $500 for rent or should I invest it in some way? And it actually just as a side note, ended up investing in Lewis Howes online course. Yeah. And that was the, my first into this whole world. Okay. Just as a side note. How crazy. And you just took a picture with Lewis 
two hours ago, like mm-hmm. here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how that kind of all comes together. And after how long a while. did that take? Six years. It's been three years. Only three years. It's been three years since I quit my day job. Okay. It's been a wild fucking three years. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never guessed that. Keep going. I keep interrupting the story. No, it's good. So if we want to give something like what you went through, I'll try to give a short version on a door-to-door story that mm-hmm. I think is also like an entrepreneur story or a creative story of like trying to find your place. So I quit my day job. I'm doing door-to-door. I first did a couple weeks of training. It did great. I had somebody knocking with me, but now I'm out by myself. I signed my name on a lease for, for 12 months with no guarantees of that I'm gonna make anything because it's commission-based. But the good news was the two weeks of training went well. I was getting a deal on average at least every day. Mm-hmm. And this was solar cells in California. I could make decent money if, if the sale went through. Again, it's door-to-door. So one a day, you're still getting like a shitload of rejection, right? Like 40 to 70 doors a day. Yeah. But you needed to get that one just to not go crazy because if you have a dry day, it's so crushing, right? Mm-hmm. I start knocking by myself day one, right after signing my lease, bringing my family out. Guess how many I got that day? When I'm super excited, I'm like, I'm gonna go by myself now, so the excitement's gonna help me a lot. Guess how many deals I get? I'm gonna go with zero. The big fat goose egg. Yep. That was a big punch in the face uh, because I was like, I'm doing my own thing. It's supposed to work, but I, I know sales. This is a numbers game, right? It never happens evenly. So I go out there a second day another 40 to 70 doors. At the end of that day, I'm like, since I was averaging one a day, I'm due for two. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. But in that 40 to 70, I end with zero. zero. Yeah. Now I'm actually starting to freak out a little bit, honestly, because mm-hmm. I'm questioning if I'm really listening to the universe and my soul and like, I thought I was meant to do this and if I am, shouldn't this be working? Yeah. And just so much emotional stuff already happening there. But I go out there again on day three. Another 40 doors to 70. Door after door after door after door. Slam in the face. And I end with another zero. Now I'm really, like, that day I can't even explain the soul-crushing everything. I didn't know what was real anymore. Like, what was supposed to be going right or what. It was just insane. And that was day three. So just imagine all that confusion in day three. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to day four, still zero. Day five, still zero. Day six, still zero. Day seven, still zero. Seven days with zilch. No money coming in, rent is coming due. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And all of what I've said so far is just like, context for this day this day is like the most one of the most insane i experiences door to door so on that day i go knock in the morning i got i got to do something like i so on edge and i knock on this guy's door his name's frank and i'll never forget frank because first of all he let me say the whole pitch which was super rare at this point because when i first went to california i thought solar california everybody's it gets great there's more solar panels there than everywhere else but Everybody else had that idea. So there's there like 15 people that they had heard giving them a sales pitch that month. Yeah. So that's why I was getting door after door slammed. He let me say the whole pitch. And then he said something that really surprised me. That sounds good. Let's do it. So he said yes. After seven days of all this rejection. And I just remember this feeling of like, finally, yes, I should have like seven at this point at least. But there is a God. Thank you. 
And then, <laughs> right after getting down his information, we just have to do a simple public utility credit check because they were essentially going to get panels for free. Mm -hmm. I get on the phone and I say, hey, this is the guy's name's Frank. Here's his address. I just have to hand the phone to Frank and he has to say, yes, that's my name. Yes, that's my address. Or the book is sealed. I hand Frank the phone. <laughs> he puts the phone up to his ear and I'm just like taking notes, breathing heavy. I'm like, I'm so glad I finally got one. And then I hear Frank say, you know what? I actually don't want to have anything affect my credit right now. Um, yeah, cancel everything. Yeah. I look up and I'm thinking, what the fuck is he doing? I grab the phone from Frank and I'm like, bro, like, we're good. Like, he's like, I don't want to affect my credit. I was like, oh, it's not going to. Like, this is just to prove that you've paid your utility bills because you're going to get panels for free. You just have to say, yes, that's my name. Yes, that's my address. It's not going to really affect your credit that much. And then we're good. Mm -hmm. And I hand the phone back to Frank and it's the most awkward 15 seconds of my life because we're just staring at each other just like you and I are right now. Yeah. And then he says, okay, Calvin talked me back into it. I'm going to do it. But I hope your CEO listens to this because I still think it's dumb that you're giving the credit right now. Actually, on second thought, as I'm thinking about it, I'm for real this time, cancel everything and send me an email confirmation showing me that you canceled it. Click and handed me the phone and said, sorry, dude. Anytime I tell this, like I feel like the, <sighs> I went back to my car and I just lost it. Yeah. I was like, I can't do this. If this is what going after what I want, I thought I was doing the right things. Like they, what, what the F? And I started to leave the neighborhood and was like, I can't do this. But then I stopped and was like, but I can't leave. Where am I going to go? I have a wife. And a one-year-old at home, they're, they're relying on me. Like, if I go, I have absolutely zero chance of something happening. Mm -hmm. If I continue knocking, at least I have some chance. I turned back around, and I knocked still the, the entire day, another 40 to 70 doors, door after door after door. And on the last door at the end of the day, I got a guy just like Frank, and he said yes. But also just like Frank, at the credit card, or at the credit check, he canceled. Now it's dark and I have to leave the neighborhood. And that's when the, the freak out really happened. That was for the first time where I f really started just screaming angrily at God in the universe. I'd never done that before. And I was just like, what the fuck does this mean? Mm -hmm. They say that it's just about showing up, you know? And I'm like, I'm working my fucking ass off. Yeah. What? Like, give me a message. Give me something. After freaking out, I started to leave. And a little voice to me, I, it could be God or the universe. The impression of it was like, Calvin, go back to Frank's house. And I was like, why would I go back to Frank's house? He's the one that <laughs> started this whole mess. And he already said no. Mm -hmm. And it was like, exactly. He already said no. So what more do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. I go back to his house. <laughs> I still remember dinging the doorbell. It's dark. And he comes out and there's like the spotlight on him. And I give the most unimpressive clothes ever in the history of cells. And I'm just like, Frank, why don't you just do this? 
And he starts to smile. He steps out and he says, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I was like, what? I was, now I was really confused, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you why. He says, I'm an older guy. Oh, before that, he was like, I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with solar at this point. It has nothing to do with the credit check. I'm going to do this right now. And I'm going to do it because of you. And as I'm about to cry, because I have no idea what he's doing, he was like, I've been around a time or two, and I know that the people that really succeed in this life are the ones that just don't quit and never give up. And because you didn't quit, you've probably been here all afternoon or something, right? I was like, yes. He was like, because you didn't quit, because you came back, I'm going to give you the order. And he did for real this time. Mm -hmm. And I'll just never forget that day. And then like when I was finishing up the order, I still remember he put his hand on my shoulder and I for real was crying that time. And he'd made me look back up to him. He was like, almost like that he was listening in the car when I was freaking out saying I'm working my ass off. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Calvin, I know you're working your ass off, but don't quit. Keep going. Just never give up. That day was the darkest day in one of the darkest days in my journey with, with entrepreneurship, but it's also the best day mm-hmm. because that's when I made the conviction that when I'm locked in, when it's something that I'm not going to, that I want to do, I'm just not going to fucking stop. Yeah. And that has been the thing that has helped me get to where I am now three years later. So that is something I went through. That's crazy. Calvin, it's, it's almost like, like from where I said, you should almost write a book about stuff like that. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You why, have written why, a book about why, stuff like that. Why not, right? Yeah. So that's kind of where Fish Out of Water came from, actually. Yeah. Uh, the whole process of anything new. Uh, so, yeah. So Fish Out of Water, the guide to achieving breakthrough and permanently transforming into the new you. Yeah. I, I share something like that in there because... Anytime we go after something, it feels weird. It feels awkward. It feels like you're out of your element. Like you and I both feel that way. If we continue to grow, mm-hmm. we feel like a fish out of water. So I think that's not talked about enough in personal development or, or achievement and goals. It's usually like just get to here. But if you have that feel of awkwardness, great. It means you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that book, that's what that book's about is how to help people go from awkward to awesome. Yeah, and that's on Amazon, right? Amazon, Audible, Barnes & Noble, where if you're a podcast, Audible's probably the best. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's great. But then, Calvin, walk me through. So that time period, okay, you started to make money mm-hmm. loosely, but you ended up accumulating some debt, right? There were some things that went on. That I was 53 grand in debt. Not that you're counting specifics, but 53 grand. Mm-hmm. And how did that change? Like, where's the debt at now? I'm completely debt-free. In less than three years? Yes, and as a matter of fact, I was the the bulk of it was paid off in about an eight month period during this door to door time. The bulk of fifty three grand was paid off mm-hmm. in an eight month door to door time. Yeah, how is that possible, dude? Making the understanding that prosperity is not an act; it's not a lucky break; it's a habit. And I just became obsessed with figuring out why I had patterns of poor mm-hmm. and what was making me in debt, and. 
I studied everything I could, and then more importantly than studying it, started applying and coming up kind of with my own system, something yeah. that that would save me time without having to track, something that was like human, I guess, mm-hmm. and not, and what I realized in that is money wasn't also, it, it wasn't just about information. If you had the, if, if you'll know this because you look like a fucking animal in a great way, like uh, being healthy and being fit uh-huh. is not just about information, right? If like thinking that you could be completely healthy just by having the right diet, just that mm-hmm. is silly because we live in an age, if that was true, we would be the most healthy, the most fit as a society than, than we'd ever, ever been, right? And it's not just about information because we have oodles and Googles of information, but it's about behavior. Mm-hmm. And if you can get your behavior right, then a lot of things follow. So, yeah. Uh, that could be a whole nother show just talking about the different behaviors, but just behavior that force you to think long-term instead of short-term, uh, holistically around your money instead of isolated. Mm-hmm. And by doing that over the long run, it just puts you in a, a prosperity loop instead of a poor loop. Absolutely. And Calvin, you've taken that methodology <coughs> and mindset and success, and you've decided to be generous with it. Like It's not bottled up mm-hmm. only for, for your own it's my It's my passion right now. Like, yeah, I don't I, think right now, like I know you said right now, but like, so it, for you listening, no, for my life, Calvin is everywhere. Yeah. Like, and I laughingly, as he walked in the studio, I'm like, man, when are you ever home? Like, he's got <laughs> obviously wife and kids and, and, and stuff going on. I'm like, you just don't, you, you're at, like, he's, if you want to, if there's a social media influencer or somebody that you follow or listen to a podcast, I will guarantee that in the past 12 months, Calvin has a picture with them, <laughs> knows them, has been in their presence, has digested uh. their content. So someone wants to fix their financial position. Mm-hmm. You've done it. Mm-hmm. It's your passion. So what do you do about it? There's a few ways. Uh, if they wanted to get something closer, I actually do something called the Six Figure Secret. Um, it's an application-only thing. We do it once a month. And what I do is I bring a team of people together, and they go through this six-week process together to shift the behavior. If they want to check that out, they can just go to calvinwayman.com forward slash apply. Um, but that would be like just starting to recognize that you don't have to wait. Like a lot of people think that to be better financially, they just need to make more money. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that just made a lot of money. Lottery winners made a lot of money. And then what? The average lottery winner is broke within five years. People leave the NFL broke after three years. And on the flip side, there's people that uh, are regular people like you and I that uh, make a nominal salary even and they become millionaires. Mm-hmm. And so just recognizing that fact. And then, yeah, if, if the thing with with this too, the reason I'm so passionate about it is some people say it's not just about money and you're right, it's not. But Zig Ziglar famously said that money's not everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. And you don't think about oxygen until there's an issue. If you're strangling, you're thinking about it. And my whole thing is if you can get your money right, if you're not so stressed about it, uh, where you're not having to think about it all the time, then you can make the impact mm-hmm. that you're meant to make. And like, just to give a little preview, I, I'm to the point now where I literally do my finances for 30 minutes once a month for the whole month ahead. So we're now in October at this point as of this recording. And the end of September, did all my finances and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so I can focus on my gifts. I can focus on the impact and the and the giving and the and helping people. 
yeah. and just crushing from there. So yeah, if people want to go deeper, would love to see if I can help them. Uh, but again, we did an application thing. They can go to calvinwomen.com forward slash apply and be happy to see if we can help them. I love it. So as you're setting out your, your goals, your, your plan for October and September, mm-hmm. how rigid is that? Like, can we walk with, through a with my money? Like, yeah, the planning. Like, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's. I don't have my wallet. It's in my car. Okay, but yeah. Let's talk through. Like, okay, so we're we're setting the budget for September and I'm or for October in September, and just walk me through your process. Do we have time that I can give like the principles of this? Yeah. Because I'm told. Okay, sweet. So the principles of prosperity, as I call them, I have the the three P's to prosperity. You need to prepare, you need to protect, and you need to place. Those are it. If you can get those down, you will crush. So the first thing that I won't talk about, prepare is just like set up an emergency fund. Like just do some, set something like a thousand bucks that you can have that will protect everything else that we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause it's not a matter of if something unexpected is going to happen. It's a matter of when. Okay. So get that up now. Protect to make this work. You have to do this protection piece. And what I mean by protect is most people and certainly myself, we're doing all of our money in a single checking account. That is actually a very rare thing and a very recent thing in our human evolution to even have this concept of money. Everything was barter, everything was trade. And for convenience sake, we had this thing called money invented and then we have credit cards and all this stuff. But we have no idea and it gets more complicated the bigger you grow as a business, but we have so much fucking activity that's happening in a single checking account that you don't really, really know exactly where you are at at that particular moment. You have a feel, you can look in your bank account, but it's not totally real. What's worse is a lot of people have money leaks and they don't even realize it. And, and it becomes a huge pain and problem. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if you got stabbed in the side and you're like gushing out blood. That would be a problem. You need to go to the hospital, right? But the problem is a lot of times pe- that's happening with money but it's invisible. You don't see it. Yeah. So you have to protect that income. So I'm going to give a r- completely radical idea um, that we go deeper into with with uh, the one-on-one stuff. But it's it's going to sound crazy, but I promise you, if you dare to put it in, these last two will get, get increasingly more radical. But again, it will help you have the protection and the placing. So to protect your income, set up a completely sec- uh, separate checking account and separate the functions of income versus outflow. So what I do is I set up an outflow account that literally, instead of having automatic payments that are coming out of my main checking account, I set it in this account that's for outflow. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's money that I can, in my, it's, it's mentally spent already. So you take money from your income, you set it in for rent or your car payment or any of your bills. And so as far as you're concerned, it's gone. That's just a black hole. What that's going to do is now when you look at your income account, it's going to do a few things. You're seeing money that you can actually do something with. Uh, You're not being confused and trying to make a decision on something based on seeing more money than you really have. So that by itself all all of a sudden starts to shift your behavior. But also, no one, and I mean no one, should have access to your money but you. And right now we have all of these leaks and all these fingers that can touch our main account and we don't even realize it. Like if we went and gave our account number and everything to people, that would be crazy. We wouldn't do that, right? But we kind of have that already, whether it's the automatic Netflix, the automatic bill pay and all this. All these people can just automatically get access to our most important thing that's helping us prosper, that main income. So when you separate the income for the versus the outgo, you change that. You make so that your thing that's growing, your income, cannot be touched mm-hmm. by any person but you. And you and and 
the same with the outflow account. In that outflow account, any money you see in there, it's just considered gone. So you're not, you, it, you know that that's money you can't touch. <coughs> as far as you're concerned, it's a black hole. Right. You don't even have to think about it. So that's the second thing, protecting. And now when you have that income, then you do the third piece that is the most radical. And it's something I call place. So what you th- do is you then take all of that money that's there and you spend it all at once. And think of it, because you mentioned budget. The problem with budgeting is similar to what I talked about earlier with health. It's almost like having, it's like a plan. A budget by itself, like just on its face, is a plan. You write it down, but then you have to try to follow the plan, right? Mm -hmm. But if a budget by itself was adequate, that's be like thinking that if I just had the right diet, then I would be perfectly fit. Yeah. Right. So what placing does is it's like forcing the budget. You've heard if you've heard of zero based budgeting, it's like forcing the zero based budget. And this is why it works. When you start placing your money, like your again, your goal is to put every dollar where it's supposed to go. Dollars are meant to have a purpose. And if you don't give it a purpose, if you don't put it to work, it will find a new owner. Mm-hmm. And so it also will start to force you to start thinking long term versus short term. Because you have to be like, well, if I'm spending all this, what's coming up in the next two weeks or the next month? Or do I have something that's going on there? And if you can start thinking more long term, man, like it also helps with self or delayed gratification. Uh, there's actual studies that show the power of thinking more holistically in long term and having a little bit of delayed gratification that changes so much. There's this cool study called the marshmallow experiment. Have you heard this? The marshmallow no, experiment? No. They brought these kids into a lab. This is like in the 70s in Stanford and were given, had a marshmallow in front of them. And they were given instructions that they could eat the marshmallow right now if they wanted or if they waited just 15 minutes, they would get two marshmallows. And this study was really cool because it showed us an insight into human behavior, it's hard for us to wait. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kids ate it. But the interesting part of this study is years later, new researchers decided to follow up on all these kids and see how they fared differently in life. And the results, what they found were freaking insane. Everybody that could think more holistically and have a little bit of delayed gratification and said, this is gonna be better for me, ended up scoring higher in every single parameter that they measured, meaning they had higher test scores, they had better paying jobs, they had relationships that lasted longer, and they had a better financial position. It was insane. And so what that proves to us is if you can figure out a way to think more holistically and, again, have a little bit of self um, or delayed gratification, then you'll win in the long run. And so when you place your money, that's what it's doing. It's giving you the peace of mind knowing that every dollar has a place and you now have put every dollar in its place. So that means the reason I was going to share my wallet, like for me, for this month, I have my food already spent. Like I say, I'm going to, I'm going to spend this much on food. And instead of having to track it, I just declare it and decide it in advance. This is, and I have an account that says food. And so some people ask, well, how many accounts do I need to have then? Well, you get to decide that. If you sit down and uh, write everything out where you want to place it, and where you need to spend that money, then you'll need, then you'll see how many accounts you need for you. The principle is the is the placing though, and some people might want to have it in cash with mm-hmm. some things. Like one of the things I think is important to have is play money, something that you can do on anything. And so, just to kind of recap the whole thing and giving a final P with prosperity. 
the when you're placing the money, if you want to follow a habit of so many successful people, one of the first things to place is something that I call plant. Something towards growth, an account that can be used for anything with growth. So when you think of growth, what do you think of? Some people might think stocks and bonds, and that's cool. But I think one of the surest investments, especially when you're early in the game, is an investment in yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you develop the habit of placing money in like a plant account, something for growth, whether it's a seminar, a coach, a book, something like that, then over time, you will develop the habit that will just help you crush and prosper in the end. So that's what I follow, man. And it's been cool. It's been one of my favorite things. Following that process, I was telling you earlier, is how one of the recent groups of like 15 people paid off a hundred grand in debt collectively yeah. altogether within a six week period. And it's fun because once you do that, you know you have an emergency fund in place, you know you're protected so there's nothing that can take your income and then you place it all, you do your finances like that and you place everything, then you can just breathe in and out baby mm-hmm. because every dollar has a place and now every dollar's in its place and you don't have the stress as much. And here's the thing that's important with that wraps all of this up. What I said earlier is it's not just about money, it's about your impact. It's proven now that money worries affects everything. It affects our relationships. Most people that get a divorce cite money being a leading cause as the reason they separated. But also, it affects our productivity. And something that recently came out in Time Magazine is a study showed that if you're a millennial, you are twice as likely to have your productivity negatively impacted because of money worries. And if you can put something in place to give you the stability that you know you're on the right track, and it's, again, not just barking up the wrong tree thinking about making more money, but doing with the right things with your money, then it will help everything. So that's what I'm passionate about. That's fire, buddy. That's fire. Yeah, thanks, I, 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 just, I didn't see that coming, admittedly. Yeah. Great. I'm glad I. I'm glad I. I'm glad a, we had time. I, I know. I, I didn't know if we only had 15 minutes. Like I'm. No, I'm glad, it's, it's I hope hu- I give something that like people can use right now. Huge value add. So no, on, on interview stuff, it, we, it's just it's open open Sweet. season. Like, Sweet. We just love it. Talk about anything, yeah. which makes me, out of curiosity for me, I don't know that I've ever met somebody that grew up in a polygamous household. Yeah. And so I'm just super curious about that. I mean, were you, yeah. is, there, is there were you in a community of was it like a polygamous community where? Yeah. So it's it's it doesn't feel socially different because that's the no, society that normal. you know. That's, that's totally, normal. Totally. In fact, it's funny you say community because I tell people I come from a small town of five adults and several dozen kids, <laughs> but the small town was actually my one household. Um, but yeah, it was totally my normal man. Yeah. In fact, it's been interesting as I've the last decade stepping out of into the real world realizing that it's that it is the minority like every day it's like a new reminder oh like this isn't the normal thing so there's 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 a lot that even though I'm no longer part of that religion <coughs> or anything there's a lot that was valuable that I love about it besides the family aspect mm-hmm. besides you have I mean family gatherings 4th of July Thanksgiving that type of stuff is like super rad um, I really liked how I was homeschooled in a way because it taught me to figure shit out on my own, mm-hmm. you know, and that helped, that helps me today as an entrepreneur. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it all changed and where things went, <sighs> entered a new journey was when I uh, went to college. I'm a first generation college kid. Okay. And we're the first, we're the first one of the 44. None, nobody else in my family yet has gone to college. Okay. So I'm still the only one that has gone to college. Yeah. But that was my first exposure 
real exposure to the world outside of what I was in. So as an 18-year-old, are you at that point considering polygamy as your... 100%. You're ready to have like six... Since, how many, how many since, wives is too many? Since two years ago, I was ready. to Like, I was still in it. Like, I would have been a polygamist two years ago. Like, yeah. hands down. Um, how many is too many? Like, there's not. But here's the thing you got to realize. It's more conservative than it sounds. Uh, one thing that's pretty crazy, because this is all based on a re- religious, like, ideology and structure. Like, we believe that it's guided by God in the religion. Mm -hmm. And part of that is just how a lot of people might relate to, we believe that there's the one for them. We believe in the religion, the belief is similar that God has someone for you, but there might just be multiple someones, like family. It's more family, like we're all supposed to be one family. But to help uh, govern that so the testosterone isn't running everything, my church actually still practices placement marriage, interestingly enough. My wife and I have a placement marriage. No. Dead fucking serious. That's crazy. So now, so what that meant is I believed growing up that if you have the one, if God already has one for you, why would you go get a girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Because you already have one that was predetermined before you were born. So why would you go cheat on your, on your wife to be like, that's, that was the, the thought process. Yeah. So, uh, so I didn't have a girlfriend and like all through college or anything. And it wasn't quite as dramatic as us not knowing each other and then getting placed. <coughs> she knew me. I knew her family. I knew uh, her brothers and sisters and stuff like that. And so how it generally works is women have a little bit more say and control if who they're going to marry, which to me makes sense in that society. And when they asked her if there was anybody in mind, she mentioned my name. And then the church leaders get together, pray about it, and then they come back and if they feel good about it or not. And they felt good about it. And I was 24 and waiting and ready. And so as soon as I got the name, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so, yeah, that's just like, I don't even know where to go with that. Like, that's just, that's just a crazy piece of reality that I'm, that I've been in. That's part of my life. So what's your wife think about stepping away from that like, can you can you be religious in in that sector still and not be a practicing polygamist? Like, how does that look? Is there a separation? Like, obviously, I know a lot of Mormons that have you know yeah so leave and they can't go back to the church and it, it gets kind of so messy. so let's let's kind of set the distinction between so I grew up in a Mormon fundamentalist family okay and so there's just how there's the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and then a lot of non denominational churches there's the Mormon Church and a lot of non denominational. Mormon churches. Yep. That's what I what I was part of. Okay. And I think that's important to know just so that people don't think that this is the mainstream Mormon church, but it's we we share the exact same history. Yeah. And that's the reason my church still practice polygamy is because they're like, well Joseph Smith did, Brigham Young did, and when polygamy was done away with <coughs> in my family's history, they were like, well this is a principle that we're supposed to follow. We can't not do it. Mm-hmm. So in my church, yeah, like not everybody's a polygamist, but it's definitely a part of the culture. And you, it's kind of talked about that if you reject a blessing, then that's not a good thing. Right. So as far as like what my wife felt with me stepping away, dude, on, on, on just full transparency, it's been fucking hard. Yeah, I'm like, sure. Uh, but we're in a good spot. Like right now it's been, because it's, it's only been about a year actually since I have officially left the religion. Okay. It was a. It, it's been a long decade process since going to college and experiencing the real world. Three day or three years since quitting my day job, mm-hmm. moving out of the bubble right. and going to California, 
and experiencing this and realizing, holy shit, Ryan is not a polygamist and he's a cool dude. Holy shit. Like, because we were so conditioned to think that this is the most special thing. But as I meet new people, as I go to Thailand, Costa Rica, Israel, and meet people of so many different faiths and background, realizing the world is fucking big, man. Yeah. And there's a lot of good people. And how could this be the only thing? It's been a long, long unwinding. But uh, it's also been tough in the sense that it's when you're in something that long, it becomes a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And as you, like when I admitted that I probably would not be here if I wasn't born here, like that's obvious to me now looking back that there's no way I would. Yeah. But as I admitted to myself, and that was the beginning of me thinking that I'm probably not going to be a part of this anymore, was hard because it's shifting such a big part of what you've been in. So that was tough for myself and for my wife. And to again, right now my wife and I are still living really close to where the church is because it's like for my wife, it's great for the community aspect. The kids have a lot of grandmothers, right. a lot of aunts. Babysitting is a little bit easier. Yeah. And so my wife loves it for that part of it, the community. It's what I like it for. So did you move back to Salt Lake? So Salt Lake is where I'm from originally. And the main hub of this church is actually in the southern Utah slash northern Arizona area. Yeah. So that's where we live now. Okay. And yeah, that's where my wife grew up. And that's where. All right. And that's where we're, st we're still at right now. So is she still practicing? Is it a little if split you, right now? It, it, is she still wearing a garment? She's not wearing a garment. Okay. In fact, she never did. This is what's cool about Becca. Um, she, she's very open-minded. She likes stuff that's good, but she there's a lot of stuff that we grew up with that if it didn't make sense, we're like, why, do you, why, why would we do that? For example, um, women should not pierce their ears. But my wife, we just pierced her ears. We went to, and got her ears pierced on, uh, on her birthday. That's awesome. Um, or women aren't supposed to wear pants and stuff like that because it's immodest, stuff like that. So she's in her own journey and process of like finding out, but at the same time, she's not taking something just because leadership said. And so she still considers herself kind of a part of it in a sense. Mm -hmm. But she, at this point, again, in transparency, she's not really like going to church or anything, but loves the people, Yeah, really loves the people. And at the same time, it is like super, super supportive in what my journey has been in the last three years. Again, it was a pretty fast move for me to just like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And she, cause that was like, she wasn't quite ready to say that herself. But if I was to guess, I don't know if she'll ever listen to this podcast, but we're really open. We talk all the time. I think it's just a matter of time Yeah, that she's like, yeah, let's do something else. So well, it seems like I should just record an episode on this. And was speaking to my wife about it last night. Our generation, if I go back, she's Italian, so she's Catholic, like mm -hmm. through and through. And by the time it's been forced, like forced to go to church on Sunday, forced mm -hmm. to believe this, forced, and it's now two, three, four generations deep in the U.S., mm -hmm. it seems like our generation is now the first one that's kind of waking up and saying, does this really serve me? Like, do I have to believe this? Is this I was not going to be forced into heaven yeah, or feared into heaven or scared into heaven. You're right. so right. Yeah, and it's just this. To me, it's cool because, you know, I'm more of the metaphysics, quantum physics, like spiritual connection, universal Same. oneness. Like, that's just what makes me feel good in the moment. I say that's what serves me. Mm -hmm. And it's cool to see, like, more people becoming heightened in their awareness of just, like, 
being open to different possibilities. Speaking of awareness and consciousness, have you tried anything like psychedelics or anything experiences that way? Man, we, we, I think you and I have bounced back and forth on this. So there's a place in Costa Rica called Rhythmia. Rhythmia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, so that, I went to Rhythmia last year. Yeah. It was, I, hel it, it was helpful. And I, and I, I want to go to that. I actually have had access to mushrooms for a really long time. I just now, had my first mushroom experience like three weeks ago. It's crazy because I, I've not went down this path. And obviously having a daughter mm -hmm. and how all that looks and some societal views, but also wanting to give it the space and time that's required to really get the yeah. maximum out of it. Like I'm not looking Don't to... Don't need a rush. Yeah, I'm not looking to use mushrooms to alter my state of consciousness i'm using it to alter my state of awareness yes which is a whole different to me mindset like i'm not at some you know rave party on a saturday night trying it's to like it's for growth yeah i want to totally you know, unlock new capacities in my brain and, and rewire some of the some of the broken fuses in there and, and see what comes out of it so mm -hmm. what was your experience with mushrooms really good um okay. it kind of just reminded me of going back to costa rica arrhythmia and doing ayahuasca it mm -hmm. like i can see why they're both psychedelics what it allowed me to do was focus and almost like see my thoughts in a very like here they are in front of me like right now we think we are our thoughts almost they're just melting like you, you do meditation guided meditation of course and they talk about your thoughts are almost like clouds mm -hmm. and you don't they're not yours you're the observer of them so meditation helps you do that but when I did mushrooms it was like the thoughts literally like moved out of me and were like there in front of me and I could like almost swift through them like on a on a phone yeah and so that was really really cool a lot of few uh really cool things I got to see like some visuals mm -hmm. like the trees talking and like the ground being alive and like turning it was really cool um so this is something you you did outside yes like for me out I, in I, nature in Arizona okay because mm -hmm. I've had this story like I wanted to do it I get up I do my normal stuff every morning I meditate you know I listen mm -hmm. to you know, different frequencies to align the two hemispheres of my brain. And I was just going to potentially, when we don't have Gianna and the safety of my own home, like mm -hmm. that was going to be my experience because I would have mm -hmm. been in a fasted state and mm -hmm. I would have had a bunch of water and, mm -hmm. you know, in a very peaceful setting and, mm -hmm. and really use that to align. But a lot of people I've spoken to said, like, it's a nature type of event. Like, that you get more from it if you're out connected with. I sure appreciated that. I yeah. did it in the morning after all those things. Okay. So it was in the morning with the sunrise mm -hmm. and. Some people do it at night, and all my ayahuasca experiences in Costa Rica were at night. Yeah. Um, besides the last night, it was like a whole night affair, so you got to do the sunrise too. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I really liked it in nature. It felt right. Uh, okay. But again, I could. I. It doesn't mean I wouldn't do it in, in, in an environment, in a safe environment, in a home either. I right. totally would. Yeah. But I'm. I'm glad I had it that way. And what's the total lapse time of the experience from the time you ingest them to the time you feel like it's we do now? It's really good. It, it really good. Uh, like two or three hours, nothing too crazy. That's well, not bad. So I'm mentally preparing for six or seven hours of just being yeah not of my normal faculty. But yeah, if if you give yourself that space, you you'll be totally golden. Okay. Uh, ayahuasca was a different animal for me. For sure. Yeah, a lot of people even do like three hours, three four hours with ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. I had fucking like ten fourteen hours. On vomiting, of, all that stuff too with ayahuasca. Some of that, yeah. Like that's the that's the rap. That's the that's the the image that people get with ayahuasca, and mm -hmm. I definitely did. But th there's this idea of purging, but vomiting is actually very is not the only thing you can purge. I mean, the most disgusting thing is like literally you can shit yourself. Yeah. And like when you're in that state, it's weird to say, you, it's actually something that is such a good thing. Like mm -hmm. when you're purging that stuff, but you can also purge with sweat. You can purge as a yawn. You can purge, like, yeah, just 
like they just talk about these different ways of purging and out of that whole experience i think i maybe have i think i maybe vomited once and when i did i was so happy that i did it yeah. was like so good yeah so good it was the best throw up i ever had <laughs> <laughs> and no no similar experience with mushrooms like the no no i mean didn't feel ill no no, no it was shitting just yourself nothing like that none none of that uh I'm glad I did ayahuasca first in a sense, just because mushrooms is so, like, I want to do it again, mm-hmm. just to go through another door or yeah. experience it again and, and just go deeper, like you said, like increase awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't feel crazy at all. A, the one caveat to that is the next day, <clears throat> and I don't even know if it was because of the mushrooms, it might have been, but I got a little bit of flu like symptoms sometimes i get sick though though during transition in temperature and it just barely transitioned from summer to fall Mm -hmm. and because of that temperature change i sometimes get a cold and flu anyway so i don't know if that had a piece to do with it but the next day i did feel a little bit fluey yeah but after that i I felt fine okay yeah that's awesome dude you're gonna love it you are going to love it like you ryan nadell specifically because i know how like you're into like this growth and like yeah you're on this journey man and it's dude the value you give already mm-hmm. i just can't wait to see like what it's gonna like when you just because you're already already in this like field of abundance yeah you're giving so much because you have that much to give and you're in gratitude i just can't imagine what happens if you go a layer or two deeper and see, like, every, so, and I, I'm, I'm anxious for this. So every weekend, like, right now, I was gonna say, okay, I'll do it on Saturday, but I can't because we have Lewis's event. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, it's like life and time. Although I feel very good about controlling time and holding space, there just always seems to be something that's, that's there mm-hmm. that like slows it or stops it. And maybe it's a different story now that I realize it might not be a full six hours of yeah. Because like, I've never used like I've never really smoked pot before. I've right. never like pain pills. Like none of that stuff has ever been my my jam. Obviously, steroids were for a long time. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't even know what to expect. So I ask, mm-hmm. what's funny is I truly believe energetically what we're seeking is also seeking us. 100%. Like, and so, I'm so glad you, you understand that already. Yeah, the number of people, like I'm just sitting around jiving, talking to people on the phone, and then all of a sudden it's like, they ask me, dude, have you done ayahuasca? I'm like, it's crazy you say that. And I bring up rhythm and it's, oh, it's like- And the fact the that it's even rhythm, the same place that yeah. I went is insane. Yes, and like the, the number of people then bounce into mushrooms and like it's just been- probably 15 conversations in the past two weeks of people asking me about psychedelics and have I experimented and what was my take on them and tell me their stories. And I can't find one person that's been like, it was horrible. Don't do it. Yeah. Like, if the only ones I ever got, by the way, if something like that were people that showed up to a party or something mm-hmm. and someone was like, here, take this. They weren't looking with the right reasons or anything like that. But if you feel that right now, by the way, about something calling you, just wait until you get to the point you actually do it. Because on the other side of it, it is it it's it's tangible. It's so real that yeah. that ayahuasca, the energy of that was working with you before you took it. That mushrooms were was working with you energetically, helping like guiding you to it before you you did. Like it's crazy how that feels. Man, I look forward to that. Yeah. So Kevin, I got to ask if you're going to leave my listeners with one nugget, one pearl of wisdom, one final takeaway. As deep as you want to go, what would it be? Can I give two? You can give two, of course. Knowing you and knowing the audience you must attract, it's people that want to do something. They want to make the impact and find their their purpose and everything. And I think they they may have an idea what they want to do, but they're afraid of like taking that step, right? Mm-hmm. They need to make a decision. And but when it comes to a decision, it's easy to fear 
making the wrong one, right? So the takeaway I'd love to leave that helped me like crazy and the thing that has helped me do this that I'm reading on this wristband right now, get shit done, is understanding that successful people don't worry if they made the right decision or not. They make the decision and then they make it right. So what I mean is it's not the point of decision that is the end-all be-all. It's the thing that gets it moving, but it's actually your focus, your intention, your energy, everything you put in after the, int- after the decision is made that will ultimately prove that that was the right decision. So decide and then act as though it was the right one. Corny example I'll just throw in here. Let's say two people get married. Bob and Sally's married. If Bob is like worrying if he made the right decision, he's going to, what's he going to do? He's going to have like eyes looking around at like, uh, Pamela, Michelle, like all these other women, like maybe I didn't make the right decision. Mm-hmm. And if he's in that energy, what's going to nev- inevitably happen to that relationship? It's going to deteriorate, right? And they'll end up falling apart. At the same token, let's say Bob and Sally get married. And so he acts as though it is the right one. He f- focuses on his wife. He's like, this was the right decision. He puts all the focus, energy, and attention in that. There's a problem. Well, it's the right decision. He works through it. What's the inevitable outcome of that relationship? It flourishes. Mm -hmm. Here's the point, though. We have two completely different situations, two different results that happen in the end, one where the relationship died, one where it flourished. Notice this, though. The point of decision was exactly the same. And I think we get obsessed about worrying if we made the right one or not. Again, successful people don't worry if they made the right decision or not. Instead, just make the decision and then make it right. So much freedom there. Number two, become a member of the CIA. And I don't mean join the secret services. Consistent, imperfect action. We think everything has to look so perfect, man. And that holds us back to on the sidelines. We're our own worst critic. Just get in the game. Get in the game. That's, if you think you learn a lot on this podcast, if you think you learn a lot reading an audiobook, get on the court. And the stuff that you, and apply this stuff, like you're learning just freaking skyrockets, man like actually doing it. So get in the game, consistent, imperfect action. You can't lose. Man, Calvin, I love it. I appreciate your time, your energy, all the value you add. Truly an honor to have you here. So good to be here. Absolutely, man. Look forward to connecting with you more over the weekend. Want to remind you as a listener, take a look at Calvin. Go find him on Instagram. Mm. Just Calvin Wayman. Yep, just Calvin Wayman. Where there's a will, there's a way, man. Yeah, Calvin Wayman. Yep, pretty easy deal that way. Tons of value, tons of content. You'll see it firsthand that he is literally everywhere that I say he is, plus places I don't even know where he's been. It's really incredible. And when you do that and you adopt some of the principles and practices that he shared with you today, I guarantee that every day you're able to get shit done. 